When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have got a great episode of Shitcoin Insider today. We bring the insider himself back to the show to discuss what Bitcoin maximalism even is. Is it a dying breed? Is it just a bunch of meanies on Twitter? Or have we found ourselves fighting over a caricature equated to the lowest common denominator of the Twitterverse while ignoring the actual set of principles behind the Bitcoin-only philosophy and what it truly means? We will get into all of that and more in just a moment. A quick thank you to CoinKite, the solution to all of your Bitcoin hardware problems, to Swan Bitcoin, the best place to stack and the best onboarding experience out there, and to Fold for letting me stack sats on everything in my fiat life, fiat done the right way. They sponsor my work and they make this show possible. So a big thank you to those guys. Uh, discounts, free sats, and a lot of other goodies in the show notes. Uh, links included, so check them out. With that, let's get into it. You are going to love this episode, I promise. That is Guy Swan's 100% money-back guarantee. This is Shitcoin Insider, Episode 8, Maximum Maximalism. Bitcoin maximalists trying to make sense of the sea of shitcoins. This is Shitcoin Insider. We're going we're gonna to start this off right now. We're going to start this off right now, and I'm going to ask you, the Shitcoin Insider, a fellow Bitcoin maximalist of this show, who enjoys exploring the world of shitcoins, um, or at least finds a guilty pleasure in it, uh, what is, what the... I keep hearing all this ridiculous shit that like Bitcoin maximalism is the idea that like I was literally just told this that Bitcoin maximalism that referring to myself as a Bitcoin maximalist means I have to defend that Bitcoin is going to save marriages. <laughs> um, that uh, should only eat me. Bitcoin is going to clean the water. Like like I'm supposed to just believe these ridiculous things that I don't believe and that I have to somehow defend them. So what the hell is it? What is what is wow. Bitcoin maximalism? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, and I want to point out first of all, my interest in in, in shitcoins is mostly extends to wanting to know how they work, kind of breaking down the tokenomics of them so that I can, in this case, point out why they're a bad idea. And the reason why I'm passionate about that is because a lot of the people that you talk to in this space, uh, you know, they might hear about Bitcoin from somebody, why it's great, and get into it. But when as soon as they get on YouTube or anywhere else you know, the marketing budgets start to be the predominant thing that they interact with. And of course, uh, that's what the marketing budgets are for. They'll start getting sucked into all kinds of ridiculous things. And I'm the kind of guy when like, I'm trying to tell you not to do something. Uh, you're not, I know that you're not going to respect what I have to say unless I understand that thing at least as much as you do. So I kind of feel an obligation as a person that gives a fuck about Bitcoin to like dig into those things more than most people do so that I can pull people out of them that I care about. 
because uh, otherwise they are going to look at me like I'm just some ignorant guy that doesn't understand what they're talking about. Um, and, you know, for the sake of a good faith discussion, I, I have to make sure that's not true. Um, and, that, and that ties into what we're talking about here. Um, a Bitcoin maximalist, to me and anybody, you know, none of these words are, there's no official, uh, you know, Bitcoin thesaurus or dictionary that is the authority on what the words mean. But Bitcoin maximalist to me is somebody who understands the principles of Bitcoin why Bitcoin is valuable, and as a consequence, probably has a lot of Bitcoin, or at least whatever they can have. I don't think that a person has to have Bitcoin to be a Bitcoiner. And really, Bitcoin maximalist is just a term that was uh, you know, thrown around by Vitalik Buterin uh, originally as, a, uh, as an insult um, to defend, to defend uh, Ethereum and like, how people were kind of railing against it as a, a scammy. And really, they were railing against not the idea of Ethereum, the principles of it, Pre-mines suck. Unlimited supply sucks. Uh, how centralized it's going to be sucks. Um, the gas system sucks. The account system sucks. Like these basic principles that uh, kind of stray from um, what people would consider to be good principles or hard hard money principles um, uh, are the things that make Ethereum and other things so unattractive and so different and so much less valuable. When you understand the value that Bitcoin has in those ways. Um, that's what makes you a Bitcoiner, which has kind of warped or been called now by people a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah, there's there's a big gap between what people think of as Bitcoin maximalism and just being a Bitcoiner. And I don't think I don't I think really truly understanding what makes Bitcoin matter tends to create a Bitcoin quote unquote maximalist. But it's funny, like, like one of the things that I think Udi made this argument, um, can't remember exactly, and I don't want to straw man him, but I'll just in a general sense, um, because I think this is kind of common from that side of the line in argumentation is that like in regarding to like the pre-mines or the inflation or whatever, um, I essentially hear a lot that nobody gives a shit about that. Like, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. And I'm just like, I care. I care a lot. You know, like, I don't, like, I don't give a shit if nobody else cares. I still fucking care. That matters. The fact that 70% of the coins were printed for free and handed out to their buddies, and that now they are, they're literally billionaires because they can shield this to people. Like, they have every incentive to be dishonest. They have every incentive to just fill their bags. The fairness of the money matters. It absolutely matters. You know, before when, like, during the whole, like, cypherpunks period, it's funny that, like, like there were all the, always these cranks and morons who would jump in and, you know, like, just kind of as a regular thing. And uh, there's this long post by one of the cypherpunks, I can't remember what it, who it was, who talked about this. I'm um, saying that like, you know, they would want to roll their own crypto and they would say that like, oh, we came up with our own, our own new cryptography scheme and we're the ones who have the answers and this one's better and faster and more secure. And every single time, all the serious cryptographers, every single time they knew this was bullshit. Like, it's just going to be a matter of time and mm -hmm. it might take a year. You know, it doesn't matter how long it took, like some massive fundamental flaw was found in the system. And it was just kind of the rule. It's like, you just don't roll your own. You know, you just don't it, like these people coming in and claiming that they're the ones with the secret sauce 
that's going to say that's going to fix all of the problems and there will be no trade-offs they're full of shit they just are and you know it the moment they come in and they say it um and they're not they're not even looking for critical they're just hyping up their thing and that like it was it was known it was part of the culture of the cypherpunk movement that we just knew these people weren't serious people and the same applied to altcoins originally the idea the quickest way to have your altcoin absolutely dismissed, to have it smashed apart in the social sphere on Reddit or on uh, Bitcoin talk forums uh, for like the fact that this is a scam, that you are full of shit, that you were just here to pump your own bags and print tokens was a pre-mine, was a pre-mine. You would get blasted into the ends of the earth for doing that. It was so obviously a scam. The very, the very, idea that you mined three blocks before you told anybody about this was an absolute was a was 100 proof that you're just here to scam people that you're right. just trying to get tokens for free and the whole idea of starting a new one you know like it was a it was a uphill battle and then it just became normalized and it's because mm -hmm. more new people who were ignorant came in and heard the explanation or heard the argument of the person shilling their ICO or pre-mining 70% of their tokens before they actually were exposed or heard anything about the culture of Bitcoiners, of the cypherpunks who were actually at the base of this, who knew the, the fairness of the money mattered. And I mean, that's the whole problem. Well, and the, the whole problem we're trying to solve is fair money. And you can't have a 70% pre-mine. The big, the uh, just as big you of a fucked problem. it already. Sorry. Just as big of a problem is the fact that uh, you can't stop it, because that was to me anyway. Where when I was coming up as a little hacker kid in my little world, and we started using headless, what we used to call then headless software, which meant it didn't have a central server. Yeah. Um, and uh, the biggest problem for us at that time was like, how do you make software that remains headless but can still operate like in more sophisticated ways and last for a long time. That was always the challenge. And that I think is, you know, Bitcoin did solve fairness by being, uh, by having those rules, but those rules wouldn't have mattered if it couldn't run forever without being stopped or if it could have been controlled by somebody. Um, Cause you could make an Ethereum with fairer rules, but if it still has the same uh, distribution and uh, the way that they do their ICO and they start with all the coins themselves and you put it on proof of stake, like those rules are irrelevant when they can just change them every day. Yeah, I mean that's kind of in the nature of fair, or at least at least okay. in my in my uh, in my book, uh, fair means it can't be controlled. As soon as it can be controlled, it's uh, not fair. Okay, so you know? encompassed in um, that term, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I guess you have to define what the hell fair <laughs> means. Because uh, I was thinking just the rules themselves, which of course. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, like you, you can have all the, you can have the fairest rules you could possibly think of on Ethereum, but if you've got a ninety-nine percent pre-mine, it all means jack shit. Or if you can change it tomorrow, like they just recently changed yeah. last year their emission rate, you know, and now they're going to change the entire consensus. They're firing their entire the thing that's supposed to enforce the rules. You're fired. Putting a new man, one in. Man, the proof of stake <laughs> thing. The proof of stake thing is such bullshit. It is astonishing the number of people who buy that pile of garbage. Like the fucking purpose, the whole purpose of all of this is to create a money that nobody can make for free. And mm. proof of stake is the act of creating the money for free by the virtue of being rich. And when you... That's and when you 
retarded. It's you, stupid. Yeah. Like, and it just is. When you talk to a lot of new people about Bitcoin, and they don't understand yet what a digital currency means or what that is. Their, their first instinct is to think uh, that, well, what I want, why would I want some digital money? They could, like, whoever made it could just keep making more and selling it to me or other people, and that's just going to be worthless. Or they could just change the rules or do whatever. Like, that's what you would initially intuitively think about if you didn't know anything about how Bitcoin worked or how any of these things work, and you just were told, like, hey, you want to use this money on the internet? Like, if you have any sense about you, you're going to be like, no, because that would be stupid. Like, I can't trust that. I'm like, you know, it's somebody's scam out there making a scam. And and the funny part is that, like, once you kind of explain to them what Bitcoin is and how it works and how you can, how you don't have to trust it because you can verify everything about it um, and how those rules, you know, nobody can make coins out of thin air for themselves. It doesn't even matter who the creator is. Um, Once you kind of build that foundation, they say, oh, that's awesome. But then they look and say, cool, and there's a bunch of other ones, too. But it's like, wait a minute. Copy and paste. Wait a minute, those things that you thought originally about why it would be stupid to have a digital currency, those things actually are all true about those other things. Like, yeah. those other things were created by a guy who can change the rules, make more for himself, and do those things, which intuitively are the reason why you'd never want to buy a digital currency. Yeah. It's just not true about Bitcoin. And that's why when you understand what Bitcoin is, when you have the, the, the actual understanding of the value of why Bitcoin is valuable, that's what makes you a Bitcoiner. And that's why as a Bitcoiner, you would never buy some stupid thing with some guy that can just make more coins or change the rules because you already know that's worthless. You already have that understanding. It's not that this is a big under, misunderstanding that people have about the people who get called Bitcoin maximalist. Oh, you're so close minded because you will only look at Bitcoin and you won't look at anything else. And like you just think one coin is going to be everything for everybody. Like that's so stupid. How could you think that? It's like no, it's not about one coin or two coin or three coin. It's about here is this asset that is amazing and valuable for very real reasons. And here's this circus over here of like things that aren't even remotely close to the principles that make this thing exciting or valuable. Why it's not it's not close-mindedness, it's just wisdom. It's like, you know, and this is one of the dangerous things that I think some of the influencers like Udi and Eric are starting to uh, try to like unravel. Because for a lot of people, unfortunately, I hate to even say it like this, but like a lot of people aren't going to do the research for themselves. They're going to listen to whoever they think is the smartest guy on Twitter, and that's what's going to inform their views. And so if they hear a couple of guys saying, uh, oh, those Maxwell's people, yeah, they don't actually, like nobody listens to them anymore. They don't exist. Like, the only ones left are like flat earthers and people that don't believe the moon is real. And uh, listen, guys, you're doing great. Buy all the coins you like. You guys are right. Just have fun. It's about having fun, guys. Like, be cool. Like, it's just this massive like gaslighting that's happening. And, and, and it's going to work on a lot of people because they don't do that research for themselves. If they did, they'd probably be a Bitcoiner. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, it, it's funny, like from the context of like my view of Bitcoin maximalism. Oh, and I, I think I mentioned this before the show. I don't think I've said it since we started recording, but I, I think Stephen uh, Lubka or or, or Lubka, I, I'm not sure how to say his name, um, but uh, had a great little tweet because this is the thing that just drives me crazy. 
um, and I feel like is what we're constantly doing. It says, uh, I found the tweet, though. It says, Bitcoiners have been tricked into defending a caricature of themselves. The Bitcoin maxi, as described by critics, barely exists outside of 0.1% of Twitter accounts. However, this deception causes people to be afraid to diverge from the caricature in public for fear of ostracism. In other words, a trick has been played on us by those who would not want us to want to see us succeed. We should dismantle it. Dismantle the straw man character, not Bitcoin maximalism or Bitcoin only. Um, and that's that's so true. Every conversation I have, and this is the thing that just drives me up a wall, is I'm constantly told that because I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, I believe A through D, and I don't believe any of that shit. And I'm told <laughs> I have to defend it. Like, I'm told that, like, I, that because of that, this is Bitcoin you're maximalism. And it's you're like, maximalist. What the what the fuck? Like, I, exactly. Like, they're, they're going to tell me what Bitcoin maximalism is, and it's only ever negative things. It's only a list of stupid shit or somebody being an example of somebody being mean on Twitter or defending something that's shady or weird or, you know, in a gray area or something like that. And then that 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 to them is just Bitcoin maximalism. And there's no other discussion around it. Everybody who all the Bitcoin maximalism. So like the example I brought up before is the stock to flow is I went through this like kind of thing about the stock to flow model because any, anything that anybody who creates a model that says Bitcoin's going to go up a lot, it's, you got to admit it's interesting. There's a reason plan B, which is still vastly, the vast majority of his followers are retail people who are just like, Ooh, I'm here to speculate, which is what all of crypto is in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, like, is what 1 million, 2 million followers. I don't even know anymore. Um, plan B, what is, what is he at? Let's look. 1.8 million followers. That's for huge. A show. Is that huge. Um, but I read, uh, an article, uh, his original article about stock to flow, defending the model. And then I read an article from somebody, it might've been Nick Carter. I don't know who it was. Um, but somebody arguing against the stock to flow model. Um, and I thought both of them had decent points. I tended to kind of fall in the, I don't know, it's an interesting model and there's some, there's some interesting logic and I like the idea of number go up. But then Corey kind of made himself, made, made Corey Clipson from, uh, from Swan mm -hmm. uh, kind of had a little campaign against a st the stock to flow model. And he was the one that made me go, oh yeah, no, that's a good argument. That's a much, that, that's a much cleaner and more logical way to think about it. And he is right. And, and plan B is just wrong. Like the, the idea of promoting this is ridiculous. Like that is shit coining, you know, like that's, right. I mean, well, that's thing. and I just say, like, I'm, I'm told now I'm told to this day, I'm told that stock to flow is Bitcoin equals Bitcoin maximalism, but yet plan B, I don't think of as nearly the Bitcoin maximalist that Corey Clipston is. And Corey is the reason I solidly came down against Bitcoin Max. I mean, uh, the stock to flow ratio. Like mm -hmm. I just, I just you decided know, that no, yeah, it's just kind of bullshit. I've noticed a, a trend there too, with especially with traders. There's a lot of, and this used to be big, also in like 2017 and earlier. With like, uh, if anybody, if any of your listeners are familiar with like the, this is the whale, the whale room. It was like a big trading room where. 
uh, I won't name anybody's names, but certain people there have been known for many years as OGs, but they're, and they're known as Bitcoiners because so many of those early communities, I'm not saying majority or anything like that, but maybe by number of people, because it was, everybody loves trading and gambling. Um, uh, they were known as like the, these big OG Bitcoiners, but these guys were just, pro, they were just good traders. They were just known traders who were the most popular guys in the trading world. And they kind of like co-opt some of the Bitcoiner culture stuff because they do consider themselves Bitcoiners because they're predominantly trading Bitcoin a lot of times. Um, and there's still, that still happens now with a lot of these trading accounts. Uh, some of the guys that are on Twitter spaces a lot that have bigger followings than, than uh, you, for example, where you're putting out probably the best content in Bitcoin period. Some guy that like, uh, Hey, I'll tell you when you should buy Bitcoin because it's going to make you rich. You know, that guy will get three times more followers than you because, Ooh, I want to get rich. Like, yeah. uh, yeah. Tell me when to buy. Tell me when to buy. And those are cheap fucking, those are cheap shitty followers. I hate those <laughs> followers. I don't want any of those followers, man. Those are the followers that like when the bull market comes, you make 10 times as much money. And then when the, uh, or you get 10 times the following or the exposure in YouTube and whatever. But then when the bear market comes, you take a 90% discount on what you make. Like, right. because everybody just, everybody leaves. Nobody cares. Like, it was funny. I was talking to somebody asked me in one of the groups the other day, and it was because I've been talking to cold card, um, uh, about like, you know, the show and stuff and like how things have been going through the quote unquote bear market. And uh, so I had like looked into like just trying to do like an analysis of the numbers and like I have had no change and like tons of shows have seen, you know, the huge rise mm -hmm. in listeners during the bull market and then this huge dip during the bear market. Like it follows the price. Now I do have growth usually during bull markets, but it just kind of flattens out. Um, and people seem to stick with the show, which well, I like to think of as like, I've got followers who are the kind of followers that I hope to, <laughs> I hope to have, you know, the people who listen to the show or people who actually give a shit about Bitcoin and learn something. I'll say the, uh, and this is a, I don't mean to show you maybe, maybe a little bit, but like your telegram group that you have to subscribe to your Patreon to get into is my favorite Bitcoin chat because it's full oh, yeah. of because it's full of audio knots. It's full of uh, Guy Swan's listeners, and those are not traders generally. Those are Bitcoiners. And the generally. People, generally. Yeah, are Bitcoin, <laughs> there are traders everywhere. But like, uh, but in general, this is a very high ratio of, of Bitcoin, real Bitcoiners that don't, you know, don't give two shits about the chart. Man, I can't wait to get rid of Patreon, side. though. I, I hate that it, that's still kind of like the the doorway into it um because mm. i want something god i want something lightning powered i wish there was an easy way to just be like if you vote on one of my reads like you know on the website mm. or something that it was just simple patreon i just have an automated thing if they become a patron they get a message with the link um and so that they could jump in and hang out but god god i hate i really wish we could get away from patreon i want a lightning solution to this so bad um, Keith, whatever uh, the guys, I'm, I'm going to be talking with the guys who are doing Keith actually this week. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to give them shit. They're going to have to like, be like, you gotta, you gotta put in a subscribe to this thing for like a thousand sats a month or something. Like if you're integrating lightning, I don't know. I don't know. I want to, uh, roll back a little bit to the, to Bitcoin Maxim's point. And 
with yeah. to do also with your with your with your content too, uh, our meetups, our meetups that we go to and you go to them as well or here. Well, I don't know if everybody say your city or not, but our city here has, mm-hmm. I think, one of the best Bitcoin meetups in the country. We're, I think, the oldest one. Somebody's going to have to come out and prove us wrong. But I think we're the oldest weekly meetup in the nation um, because we have been meeting every week. There's old ones, and we're from, I don't know, 2013, maybe? Holy shit, was it that I'd have to ask uh, Steve for the exact, but um, uh, every single week. And there are ones that are, might be older that met up, you know, older than we did, but they don't meet But did they week. stay around? They and still have they did, diehard Bitcoiners in that group. It may be like a monthly thing. Like every month, some of them might come together. Oh, we come together every week. And now, and in 2018, you know, when the bear market came, there'd be times when it'd be me and a couple others sitting in a hotel mm-hmm. lobby and just chill for two hours. And yeah. like, you know, it got kind of small, but like this time, this bear market, not even remote. Like we... It's so funny. I didn't even thought about it, but the group is bigger. We had to like move over to the other room because it's yes. like too big. <laughs> yes, like it's huge, and like nobody there is like, is it going to moon tomorrow? Oh man, moon time! Like, what's the price? Like, it's just yeah. a bunch of people. A lot of them knew. A lot of them come figured out Bitcoin in the last year or so, and they know shitcoins exist, and they don't care because they understand now. They're Bitcoiners. Yeah, those are Bitcoiners. They don't care about stuff that you can make out of thin air. They don't care about stuff with pre-mines because that's inherently not valuable. Like, do you want pine cones or do you want gold? You know, it's, it's once you understand what makes an asset valuable, you never choose the pine cone, ever. It's not because you're closed-minded, it's because you know. <laughs> and, like, and the, what's funny, too, is that, well, I guess it's not funny, it's just, like, one of the fundamental reasons why I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, I'm Bitcoin only, um, really it's more of a, really it's more about conviction and about why Bitcoin exists, but there is also just a fundamental economic principle of monetary convergence, you know, like networks without boundaries, without borders tend toward one. They just do. And monetary networks tend toward one to an even stronger degree. Now, if you want to argue that your network or your token or whatever is equity or it's like some share in some smart contract thing, that's a little bit different, but I don't buy it. I don't think that open source code is going to be attached to a token. Like if like a good example is like USDT uh, tether. Um is or is that TUSD? I don't know. Whatever. Tether. USDT. Um, USDT has jumped from blockchain to blockchain. Like, like what was it? Omni or Mastercoin back in Sorry, the day? Um, Mastercoin, which was Omni, which which became uh, Omni yeah. later. Um, it started on Mastercoin, and everybody shilled Mastercoin as the ultimate thing because it was designed in such a way, like it could handle all the traffic and it could do all the smart contracts, so that. TUS or USDT so that Tether could run on it. And they had billions of dollars worth of Tether being moved and quote unquote settled. And they bragged about their numbers. They did all the same shit that Ethereum does today, arguing that they were going to be the ones because they had all of this money that settled on the network. And what happens? Yeah, I want to talk about these metrics. This is important because this is one of the biggest reasons. 
and they're gone. The whole the whole thing is just dead. In the, in the shitcoin world, one of the things that they do every time, and I don't know, especially guys like like Udi, and I gotta say as a disclaimer that I've known Udi for a long time. He's worked on Bitcoin things with we've we've worked on Bitcoin things together. Like he's done a lot of Bitcoin education, uh, and he even had an anti Ethereum blog called Pro Ethereum to make fun of the Pro Bitcoin uh, blog that had come out, and and he was the one that popularized the saying have fun staying poor that was his twitter banner he started have fun staying poor that was his twitter banner and his his icon was a penguin with a a gold chain bitcoin uh necklace like he was like the silly bitcoin maximalist that was like popularized actually being so toxic and telling people to have fun staying poor and then now he's the guy who's like all oh, these Bitcoin maximalists, you talk to them, worst. they just want to tell you to be poor. They're going to tell you to be poor. Like, you fucking started that, dude. Like, you created this popular, let's call everybody poor, uh, me. Rudy is and now, literally a professional troll. <laughs> he is. He is. Like, but, he literally is just there. Ooh, just knocked everything. Uh, he's literally just there to start shit. But like, in the, so in the shitcoin world, though, and he did get sucked in, I, I only can speculate about this. Because uh, I don't know like exactly how it went down between him and other people, but from what I've, from where I sit, seems like he was pulled in by some of the smarter, more successful guys like Kobe, who legitimately make millions of dollars on their uh, leveraging their their status in a very potentially lucrative place. Especially if you have that kind of influence. Of course, you're ripping that out of retail's ass, but nonetheless, these guys make a lot of money and they're very. Uh, sharp um and so i think udi was drawn in by some of these people kind of like groomed very personally and uh one of the big things in the shitcoin world that appeals to uh intellectuals are is all of the data there's a lot of problems with this data though data like how many transactions are being used on this protocol how many new wallets were created on this protocol uh what was the volume like you were saying well it's the volume of of uh money that was transacted today on this protocol and they look at these metrics and they uh are able to be convinced that well this is proof we're just being objective if you look at this thing you can see that like 10 times more was transacted here than there therefore this one is the winner or better or whatever what they're not seeing it's like they're this is why uh i don't think that udi lies but i call him very disingenuous very disingenuous because you have to know that under these numbers, there are these huge, obvious trends that like we can identify and you'll even agree with me on. But for the sake of the numbers, you just want to talk about the numbers. Um, like if the compound token, which we talked about on our very first Shitcoin Insider episode, compound token exploded because it was being given to you for free if you borrowed money. Um, and the reason why that was able to be driven, as we talked about in the first episode, is because people buying uh, more, try, trying to take out more loans, created more demand for the lender, which then you know just created this huge cycle of money pumping everybody until it was until there were more sellers than buyers, in which case then of course it collapsed and now it's basically dead and nobody would even think to try that again. But at the time, you could have showed a lot of metrics showing how compound is the most successful token ever and how like the growth is amazing. And like, look at all the people lending and borrowing. Look at the billions of dollars lending and borrowing. This is real guys. Look, billions of dollars of lending and borrowers. But if you just know anything about that market and say, 
Yeah, it's because they just launched a token and they give it to you for free when you lend and borrow. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's like, the big thing. You, you know, and that's why <laughs> Alan Farrington talks about yield, quote unquote yield, is that yield in the stock market, like the idea of yield means, it literally means productive value out of a out of an asset or a uh, a machine, a capital enterprise that produces more than it consumes. That is yield. That is real yield. Whereas everything that you're seeing in the shitcoin ecosystem, like the fact that you're pointing at somebody staking $20 billion worth of value to get quote unquote 10% yield per month. What is that yield? The yield is just someone else printing a different token and you're getting the printed tokens. That's not yield. That's not yield. That's seniorage. That's the mm -hmm. Cantillon effect. What you're doing is you are, you are literally trying to be the first in the Ponzi. You're, that, that is, there is an expiration date on that. There is zero way that inflation of a token supply can sustainably produce a market. That is, that is Fiat 101. That is exactly the, the concept of creating a fiat economy, of creating a debt-based economy, is that we can print ourselves into prosperity. It's a tax. It's a drain. It's a cancer. That is all it is. Inflation is, a, is, is cooking the books. It's fake yield, 100% top to bottom. If your project only survives because of token printing, then it's not a real project. It's not sustainable. It has an expiration date because as soon as the token is falling in price, if that's the only reason people are staking that $20 billion worth of capital into your system, if the, if the token price is falling faster than the quote unquote yield, they leave. They just leave. And what, what happens to your project? This is why I think the, like all the idea of like, Filecoin and Storagecoin and MadeSafe and like all this shit of like making a unique token to the idea of having hard drive space is dumb. It's it's economically a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Yes, you can. I, I can see why it's appealing because you have this architecture already in place to to appear to uh, subsidize this behavior while already having a way to create a peer-to-peer -peer network out the gate. You can copy and paste that, and it looks like you did something. And you can just twist it around and be like, now it's just storage space instead of proof of work or whatever. It's super appealing. It's appealing enough that I looked into Namecoin for years when it first came out. I was really interested about how- So did Satoshi. It, so did Satoshi. That's exactly right. For, for the very beginning, at the very beginning, it seems super interesting and it's an incredibly compelling argument, but I think it's wrong because at the end of the day, if the only reason people are running the hardware is to get this new token and there's no sustainable market between the payer and the payee, um, the, 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 the host and the, the user, and you're just hoping that they don't care about the inflation, but that the only reason they have the token is because they think the price is going to go up. It's, it's just going to expire. It's just mm -hmm. going to expire. And what's happened? What's happened to all those projects? They've stagnated. Right, it's just inflation. There, storage. You there know? used to be a big trend around uh, what was called master nodes. And essentially it's proof of stake. It's essentially what actually <laughs> I didn't think of this, but it's basically a 3M2.0. Um, the whole master node trend it was a massive trend before even 2017 
a bubble. I mean, it came back up and resurged after 2017, like most of the old trends did, because they all became even bigger versions of the old versions. But um, even NFTs were a, re a redo in 2017. They'd already happened in 2014 on Bitcoin. Um, but to the masternode trend uh, was where you had to you had to have a master node in order to generate the tokens. And so if you had, and there was always a limit, like you'd have to get at least 10,000 of these tokens. And if you had, if you bought 10,000, then on your software, you would be the one, one of the ones, uh, your 10,000 would make X tokens per day. And as long as, uh, you know, you had enough to produce those X tokens per day, you could make them. And then people would sell them to more people who wanted to get to 10,000 because they wanted to have a master node because they wanted to be able to sell the inflation. And there was a, I don't know if the site still exists, it was like masternodes.online or something where it would mm -hmm. list all of the most profitable, like, well, if you use this master node, it's like 2000% APY. And this one is 1500% APY. And I even had a guy tell me once that he wouldn't like in, invest in any shitcoin if it didn't promise him at least like a thousand APY. Like that was his, like, then it's worth it to me. Other than that, it's not worth it to me. And I would tell him like, how long have you been doing this? He's like, well, like two weeks. Like I can tell, dude, because none of that shit, you're not going to get an APY. You're going to like, you're, you might be lucky to get APD. Like, <laughs> like this shit is not going to survive. Like if it's 2000 APY, you maybe have three or four days. Like yeah. before this thing just dies completely. You got days but, or weeks tops before that thing implodes. Because it's just inflation. It's just inflation coming out of nothing. And I never thought about that, but that's you know, it was a very successful model though, because essentially it's just pure Ponzi. It's like a a Ponzi where you can see everything, which is nicer yeah. than the old school Ponzi where you couldn't see everything. And you're just trusting one guy. At least you get to be a, a little part of a masternode or whatever, but like that's not a sustainable model. And that's exactly what Ethereum 2.0 is when you think about it. It's masternodes. You get yeah. 32 ETH and you get to have some of the ETH, the new ETH. It's the same shit. We've already seen these collapse. They don't, like, there's no value being created there. Yeah. And what's funny, there's, um, like, this is such a great example of everything that happened. Like, the appearance. It's amazing how much you can, you can make the numbers look like something real is happening. And it's all based on fluff. And this is, I saved this uh, a week ago or so um, and thought this was just interesting. This is so indicative of so much of what I find in quote unquote crypto. So helium, uh, this is, oh, mm -hmm. by the way, this is a tweet. I know about helium. Tweet thread. You know, you know this? Yeah. I don't know the tweet thread, but I know about helium. Okay. Uh, There's a tweet thread by Lyron Shapira or Lyron Shapira. Not, not That's sure. That's a how to cool guy. Um, uh, you know him? Uh, I know of his Twitter. Okay. Um, says, Helium, often cited as one of the best examples of a Web3 use case, has received $365 million of investment led by A16Z. Regular folks have also been convinced to spend $250 million buying hotspot nodes in hopes of earning passive income. The result? Helium's total revenue is six thousand five hundred dollars per month just for reference that I, I make more than that um members of the r helium subreddit have been dedicated have been increasingly vocal about seeing poor helium returns on average they spent four to eight hundred dollars to buy a hot hot spot four to eight hundred dollars they were expecting a hundred dollars a month enough to recoup their costs and enjoy passive income then their earnings dropped to about twenty dollars per month $20 a month. These folks maintain false hope of positive, positive ROI. They still don't, still, still don't realize 
their share of data usage revenue isn't actually $20 a month. It's one penny a month. The other $19.99 is a temporary subsidy from investment in growing the network and speculation on the value of the HNT token. Meanwhile, according to, Heli to Helium network, network rules, $300 million, 30 million HNT per year gets siphoned off by Nova Labs, the corporation behind Helium. This, quote, revenue on the books, which comes mainly from retail speculators, is presumably what justified such an aggressive investment by A16Z. CD, uh, C. Dixon's mental model thread on Helium claims that this kind of network can't be built in Web2 because it requires token incentives. But the facts indicate Web2 won't incentivize Helium because demand is low. Even with a network of 500,000 hotspots, revenue is non-existent. The complete lack of end-user demand for Helium should not have come as a surprise because Lowra WAN market analysis, um, is it low ban, Rob? I'm not even sure what that stands for. Um, market analysis would have revealed that this was a speculative bubble around a fake overblown use case. The ongoing Axie Infinity debacle is a similar case of A16C's documented thought process being shockingly disconnected from reality, wherein skeptics get vindicated within a matter of months at the expense of unsophisticated end users turned investors. More generally, I posit the two keys to understanding Web3 are, one, beware of easy money schemes. Two, beware of hollow abstractions. When proponents like C. Dixon promise riches to come via abstract, quote, mental models, we can gently guide them to focus on money flows and use cases. I've posed the question to A16Z partner involved with Axie Infinity, how does money flow into the system? He blocked me. The tech community deserves better. Let's continue to press for answers to simple questions about Web3's money flows and use cases. This is so prevalent. Like this, is, like again, $19.99% of that cut down re revenue is all subsidy. That's insane. And there's penny, so many, so many things. One penny about, of real value behind that. There's so many things about Helium in particular. I mean, uh, Talking to Shaquan Insider, so like it's a, like there was there's supposed to be the whole idea is that the nodes are decentralized. It's supposed to be you know embrace whatever the hell Web three culture is, but we know what Web three culture is because when people decided to use the open source software, it's important for people to be open source. Of course, that should be part of the culture. People decided to use the open source culture to just or software to just make Raspberry Pis to do the nodes themselves without having to buy them from Helium. They changed it. To where they had you had to have something that was signed by them in order to be considered a real node so that unless you purchased oh, a license yeah. from them i didn't even know unless that. you purchased a license from them to make a node like so they'll let you build your own but now you got to pay them like 50 or 100 bucks whatever it is for that license oh, so that it's God. so that it's a quote-unquote real <laughs> node like it was it was horrible like and ethereum's um, about to introduce check checkpoints because that's the only uh, way you can do that's the only way you can do proof of stake is centralized checkpoints and, and the worst of failing to realize that that means that you've lost everything about it, everything uh, that matters. Like, hey, ask me. Last question saving Ethereum, I think, is proof of work. I think that's uh, it. Uh, when somebody says checkpoint, what they're saying is just ask me what the next block is and I'll let you know. 
Like, we're, you know, well, Jones, it's just, you want to know what that's the history what of the chain is? Just, just ask me and I'll tell you. And if I say something different, that's what it is, uh, everybody. Like, it's so you know? funny. God, the arguments, the gaslighting around this. And, so you know, maybe, well, maybe it's, Bitcoin maybe it's, checkpoints too. Dude, maybe it's, maybe it's not gaslighting. Maybe it's literally that they just don't have the slightest clue what they're talking about. Because yeah. the checkpoints, the quote-unquote checkpoints in Bitcoin that are like, what, 100,000 blocks? <laughs> the, every 100,000 blocks, something like that? Like a year's worth of blocks? I, I don't even know. Um, the only reason those checkpoints exist is to make it so that you can easily download the entire blockchain, not in order. That's the only reason. Those checkpoints are not validators. It is not, mm -hmm. it is not over, override your validation with these checkpoints. The checkpoints are just built into the core client so that you can easily download block 500,000 without having to worry about whether or not you're building on the correct block 97,000. Mm -hmm. if, if your fucking client found out that there was a cheat, sent, there was something wrong, somebody made two Bitcoin that didn't exist in block 100,000 with that checkpoint signature on it, it would reject it. It has nothing to do with validation. It is just a simple mechanism to, to rely on the slightest amount of trust so that you don't waste a day downloading blocks that aren't real. That is all it fucking does. Your checkpoints in Ethereum are validating. They're 100% someone is telling you what the truth is regardless of what is in it because you're not checking it. And at the end of the day, with the uh, It's so infuriating. It's, but it wouldn't even, honestly, it wouldn't even matter if it didn't have it with the way, because the way Ethereum runs, just like the mining, you know, they say, well, we have the most distributed proof of work. All these kids with GPUs, everybody's buying Ethereum. It's far more distributed than any other proof of work network. It's irrelevant because it comes down again to the difference between the metric and the pragmatic reality of the situation. The metrics do not inherently uh tell you something is good or bad the the reality of the situation does so if there are millions of people running gpus all the way all the way around the world you think that's a great thing fine but uh, and if the uh nodes were completely decentralized and just waiting for one of the gpus to tell them what the next block was that would be true but it's not the case because with ethereum the nodes are completely controlled uh, predominantly by infura and that is the Ethereum Foundation's pet. It's all part of the Ethereum infrastructure. So, so as we see with Ethereum 2.0, the nodes, which are very centralized, are going to say, hey, guys, well, that mining, uh, that's not what's important to us anymore. Now we look at this proof of stake over here. And it's going to work because it's so centralized. If, if it were truly... It has to further centralize. Any, every time something goes wrong, it has to further centralize. That's the only If it way were truly decentralized with all these GPUs and all these kids' computers, they would never be able to do Ethereum 2.0. Because obviously, the, no, every GPU owner would have to say, fuck you. I like to make money on this, and I'm not going to stop. Like, but they don't matter. They don't matter at all. They're all fired because the three guys that are in charge of the nodes say so. Actually, the Vitalik guy says. Yeah, and I love, I love also the, um, the idea that because the the light clients, they're, they're not actually, they don't refer to them as light clients. I can't, I can't remember. The, they changed the names to make it. I know. Because of arguments with Bitcoin fighting. maximalists. They, they, um, they do this on purpose. Because of arguments with Bitcoin maximalists, uh, people used to complain about, 
oh, well, you can't run an Ethereum full node. Like you can run a Bitcoin full node. It only takes. And they like, literally just started time. calling their not full node a full node. Right. It's like, oh yeah, you can run a full node on a Pi. See, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> And then you say, but that doesn't verify the whole history. Oh, that's called an archival node. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's what I'm talking about, bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and, and what's funny, too, is that they'll, they'll argue that you can, you can do this insane amount of computation or whatever to rebuild, like, essentially everything that's in the node, but that they don't do it. And it's like saying <laughs> that, like, you could audit the whole thing. I just it's just so much resource. This takes so many resources that I'm not going to do it. It's like, so you didn't check. So you're not verifying everything. The fact that you could go back and verify is totally irrelevant. If you haven't done it, there could be a hundred thousand blocks deep. Somebody just cheated. And because you're not verifying anything, you would know. And you're just building on top of it. And you just bought new Ethereum and you don't even know. It's not even real Ethereum. It's not the you same Ethereum that existed a hundred thousand blocks ago. Yeah, you actually can't. I mean, like, it, to yeah, say I, something is, like, I theoretically that. true. I don't know. I have never well, no, actually. What I mean is, like, even the if whole you theoretically could, even if you theoretically could, it's, if it's so resource intensive that, like, nobody does, then I don't even. Like, and it doesn't that, matter. And it yeah, doesn't like, matter. you can't. I would just it's say relevant. you cannot. Like, you can't. If like, people aren't doing can't. it, then it hasn't been done. That's the simple fact of the matter. It doesn't matter if like, they have the... Theoretically, the, you could spend unlimited resources, but, like, we don't have... Like, well, theoretically, you could, like, go... Just theoretically, I could run a BSV node. <laughs> I could find every Bitcoin block on the you know in one second, and like that's what I'm, I'm going to make a new business that relies on that assertion. But actually, we're not going to actually find the block. We're just going to pretend I could, and we're just going to like assume that and let me have all the rewards in my new chain. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, like like it, it's funny too because, like I see, you know, there's this there's this element, or at least in, I guess in my life. Like as a as a sort of life principle is that I think that if I don't struggle with whether or not I'm right or wrong in my position, if I don't kind of like argue or fight with myself over it, I feel like inherently I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that almost universally, and I do struggle. I do constantly test my hypothesis on how I feel about crypto and shitcoins. And I constantly read, I do read, I don't read them on the show because um, I just, just, there's a ton of it and so much of it is noise, but I do read, like I read Nick Carter's lambasting of Bitcoin maximalists and like how he was treated. I read Breed Loves, I read uh, uh, a bunch of crypto people's stuff. I read Dixon's stuff. I've read um, a Sassel, whatever the frick his name is, Vitalik. Like, like I, I read it all. the biggest clown. I, I try to I try to entertain the idea and wonder if I'm wrong. Because honest to God, I have one mission. I have one mission here is to separate money and state. And if the only way to do if if the way that actually succeeds is with ten thousand shitcoins, I don't really care. I don't I don't have some everybody tells me I'm a religious mm -hmm. cultist lunatic, and I'm not. I, I just I don't see that at all. I don't I constantly entertain the idea and if 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 your 20,000 shitcoin method really works I will come to the fucking party and you can you can lambast me about how I was just 
self-righteous and I was indignant and I was stubborn and I was refusing to entertain this idea. I don't give a shit about how you think of me in regards to solving that problem. The problem I want solved is the separation of money and state. But fucking Infura servers aren't going to do that. Right. They're and, and not the- going to do that. <laughs> They're useless in the entire task. They are a distraction, and I am not going to dilute myself because you think it's going to make more money. That's not why I'm here. You can tell me every day that the reason I'm here is for number go up, and I will say you are full of shit because it's not fucking true. If I could make 10 times as much money on Ethereum, but everything relies on Infura, I'm still not going to give it a cent. Not a bit. Because Bitcoin actually does something to me. Bitcoiners are the only ones that I see when Elon Musk dumps Doge, Doge, Doge coiners come running in begging for him to be, still believe in their project, that there's still a future here and you should keep buying. What do Bitcoiners do? They say, fuck off with your weak hands. Sell the rest of it. How, why did you only sell 75%? Please sell the last 25% so I can get some. Bitcoiners don't run from red candles. That's crypto. Don't project mm-hmm. on us. Like Jesus Christ! That's one of the like, biggest things that uh, that those influencers now, uh, the biggest ones being Goody and Eric at the moment that I see, uh, the ones that are speaking against maximalism or the idea of maximalism, um, they look at the entire thing through a, a shit corner frame, from the focus on metrics which everyone should know are incredibly inflated and not really meaningful to as to what's going to be successful in the future, to down to the uh, to those ideas that you just mentioned of uh, it's it's all like Bitcoiners don't even think that way and then they're saying I guess maybe it justifies Bitcoin that. maximalists to them are the people who were mean to them on Twitter right like that that's that that that's what I see and and with all I'll say, due oh, respect, you're nice you're not a real people, maximalism I love I still love and you know all the Bitcoin maximalists the the jackasses who literally are just dickheads on Twitter can give me shit all fucking day and they can try to cancel me. I don't care. I love Nick Carter's articles. He's still got great arguments. Udi even has a a half a point with the idea (laughs) that there's like MetaMask is a really easy to use software and that it's super popular and there's a shit ton of people that use it. But I think he's fundamentally misunderstood the problem. If you think that easy software is going to be what gets us through, what's going to be the ultimate victor here and that the fundamental infrastructure is not important, then I think you you have this idea that the future is going to be a lot softer than I think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think the state is going to come in and tell us how we're supposed to run this thing. And if your shit doesn't stand up, it doesn't survive the test, who gives a fuck what your front-end software looks like? Because the back-end infrastructure is not going to survive, and your front-end is just going to switch over to Bitcoin. We haven't had that test yet. We're going to have a block size war in the international political space, the equivalent of we're going to have a battle. You forgot who the final boss is here. Mm -hmm. It's not getting shit tons of retail users who have no idea what the fuck is going on, who are going to dump $100,000 of token X to buy token Y because one of them has more green candles. That is not that's not how you solve this. You need a base. You need people who are Bitcoin only and who actually give a shit why we're here and the ultimate cause to create unstoppable infrastructure in the face of the biggest adversaries in the world who have no problem being violent and attacking you outright and openly for for challenging them. 
Is Ethereum going to survive that? No. Nope. In my opinion, absolutely if it survives, not. If it survives, it survives as a tool of the state. If it, survi- if it survives, it survives because Bitcoin was its frontline defense. Well, no, because I the, think the, most I think the only, way, the only way it survives is, when I say it yeah. survives as a tool of the state, then it just becomes another part of the AML, KYC, sure, that, that where control of your money that. shit. Like, uh, if it survives, it's useful to somebody. It's the same people that, like, same way fiat. It's just another fiat. And as soon as the um, conversation becomes about UX, it's just like, you've lost the plot. You've lost the plot. I will, I will like, say... I, I, they, they have an argument. They have an argument. If you stop, if you don't go any deeper than that, if you don't talk about monetary assurances, if you don't talk about economic um, uh, consolidation, like, like network effects, if you don't talk about... Um, well, they think they think it's network effects because the easier to use will be uh, is well, more likely to be quickly adopted. But centralized is UX always, is not a, UX always is not a easier than decentralized. Thing. Always, it's not a it's not a Bitcoin or Ethereum thing with UX. It's, it's a software a, thing. It's, it's a, a which one gets a hundred million dollar grant to a to a wallet manufacturer exactly to make a fancy wallet. Like if you spend a hundred million dollars on Bitcoin wallet uh, investment, you'll get a fancy Bitcoin wallet too. Like and ultimately, like at the end of this, can't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, and ultimately, at the end of this, there is a there's an ethical argument that that again, like I said, um, Udi and I think some others have explicitly said that oh, that doesn't matter because retail doesn't care. It's like I don't fucking care. I don't care what they think. Um, I, I wonder how much be. MetaMask is raised. It's got to be a lot. I have no idea. Um, but and, I still and, like one of my favorite. BTC Sessions still has one of my favorite articles because I think it's the cleanest um, as far as like the points and the arguments. There's a lot of great articles about Bitcoin maximalism. And I'll say that there's not the shit on any other authors who have done this because I've done probably, I don't know, 10 articles who have ta- like sp- explicitly talked about and, you know, tried to define it. But I love the conclusion of his article. Um, it's It's a long article with lots of great, points but just his main points this i think this is just as cleanly as you can put it and every other thing that you want to say about like people being mean on twitter or the culture of toxicity i think the culture of toxicity has nothing to do with bitcoin and bitcoin maximalism the culture of toxicity is a uh, is a is a it's an internet thing b it's a lot of of a twitter thing too but it's also a rejection it's a it's the flip side of the coin of the woke cancel culture, the establishment is horrifically toxic. Like if you even budge outside of the establishment approved narrative, you're a bigot, a racist, a white supremacist terrorist. Like those aren't calm. Those aren't like mild accusations. We're talking about you're you're the absolute scum of the earth Nazi. You want to murder and gas and burn alive millions of people. Like the 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 unbelievable mundane and simple things that you can do to be to be classified that as as a popular stance among millions of people you you ask the question what is a woman be prepared to be called that that is toxicity <laughs> the toxic environment online is a fucking protest to that it's that it's that we have welcomed that insanity, that mental disorder into our society in the name of being nice, in the name of saying, I won't offend you. Therefore, let your personal delusions run wild and I will accept them. That is where we are as a society. 
The toxicity online is a response to that. And I appreciate with all of the shit storms and all of the dumbassery and all of the morons that come with that on in Bitcoin maximalism, I think it is far better that we have the reverse toxicity of I don't give a shit whether you're offended. Be offended. That is far more important than just walking around going, welcome all of this. Like, sure, let's be inclusive to all the people who are psychotic lunatics who will call anyone who disagrees with them a bigot or a Nazi. You know, that somebody is not inclusive. Somebody that is not that inclusive. Like, somebody that like on Twitter, it's a, it's a woman and she is very liberal. And she had asked me, and I like her, and she's a Bitcoiner. Um, and I think we need more, you know, uh, of people from different kind of groups that support Bitcoin because ultimately yeah. Bitcoin is money is for everybody. Um, and the best way that everybody will use it is if nobody fights it as a political issue. But, you know, we may not be that lucky, but <laughs> we can be great. <laughs> um, and so one of the complaints that she made uh, on her tweets, not directly to me, but kind of at me or towards me, um, was. Well, because I don't, I don't run around like being mean to people. I don't run around being, no, you know, I don't, I don't bully people. And there's a difference between bullying and toxicity. I don't feel like mean. I don't right. bully people. Well, it's a difference because some people, I mean, like there are a lot of guys in every culture, not just Bitcoin, not just shitcoin, and you can be fucking Tesla sock, whatever. There are people who are going to like look at your avatar and say, fat ass, that's, look how fat you are. That's why uh, you like whatever other stock that I don't like. Like, that's, that's different. <laughs> of course you bought <laughs> Apple. You're a fat fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's, not, that's, that's a different, that's like, I don't, I think that's embarrassing. People, when people bring up those kinds of- It means uh, you don't have an argument. That means you just- Right. Uh, so, so, so that stuff is one thing. But, uh, and so if somebody is just like, you know, hates women or something, and is running around like, fuck all women, the only thing they're good for is like cooking for me and sucking my dick. Sorry to be so crude. Whatever. The people that say shit like that. Um, and like, if you're that way. But sure, argument was, well, why don't more Bitcoin maximalists then, if, if they're so, you know, not like that, then why aren't they speaking out against people who are? And it's like, listen, I'm here to talk and educate about Bitcoin, not to go hunt down people that have offensive views about whatever other stuff. Like, it's not, I mean, like, do I like it if somebody hates Women and the super offensive towards them. Like, no, I don't like it. But do I want to spend my time on the internet? Like, I'm the guy who finds guys who say shit about women and then I tell them that they're wrong. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I mean, I do, but I'm not going to devote my time to that. I devote my time to Bitcoin and Bitcoin education. I'm not like the bully chaser. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, absolutely. And here's the thing. Here's the thing is that we have decided that feelings somehow, somehow in this society, the, the dominant culture, the culture that runs things, has decided that feelings are more important than the truth. And I 100% disagree. Absolutely 100% disagree. It doesn't matter how, how much you want me to congratulate you and say that you're doing the right thing when you make wings out of wax and paper mache and you're about to jump off a cliff. I'm going to tell you that what you did was stupid and that you shouldn't do it because you're going to die. Like the truth matters. Mm -hmm. Feeling the feeling, believing that feelings matter more than the truth is exactly how we got here. It's that as long yes. as you twist things to make it sound good, as long as you paper over the imbalance, as long as you cook the books and make the debt go away, as long as you redefine what what recession means, then everything's hunky dory. Nope, people still starve. 
businesses still close, people are still struggling day in and day out to meet their ends. It doesn't matter what you think or feel about it. The truth matters. And somehow we have led, I don't, this, and maybe it's just a, a consequence of comfort, you know? But we have real problems in the world. I have, there are plenty of people who gives a, give a shit about bullying on Twitter. Like, it's not my, it's right. not my job. Everything, everything on your hierarchy of feelings, everything on it from being the most offended by the most racist, horrible, like just accusatory statement that you could possibly imagine from top to bottom. None of that matters more than the economy declining by 1%. Not even close. Not, not, like, not even remotely. It's not even on the, in the scope of the ocean of issues around our money. I don't care about your feelings. When we are interacting personally, I will be nice to you. I will respect you as a human until you do not return the favor. Then I will treat you like a piece of shit because you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> but otherwise, it's not a big societal problem that people are mean. Sticks right. and stones may break my bones, bitch. Grow up. Like, it's the internet. Get over it. People are mean. If you, you know, don't yeah. have thick skin, you're not going to survive a major societal collapse. I actually think, like, like 100%, like, not pretending and not just pontificating, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're in a fourth turning. Your feelings aren't going to matter. Right, Nobody's I think so too. shit about it, you know? And it's, it's, it's going to happen because... I mean, well, so in the West, uh, women are concerned about things like microaggressions. And then women who oh, live in actually oppressed... I, to, I know, I know, I know. I, no, I'll let you finish your point. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that word... Women that live in actually oppressed nations where they're not even allowed to go to the grocery store without, like, a male God, escort. bank account? Like, like they, they, if they are beaten by a man, it only matters if it offends another man. If none of the men around them think it's wrong, then that's what makes it not wrong. Um, and, and they, and I know a woman who lives, who used to live in a society like that, and she is very strong advocate for women's rights. And she hates Americanized, like the way that the women, she says, have you ever heard of an actual aggression, bitch? Shit about <laughs> the hilarity, the hilarity of that word, that like somebody giving you a dirty look or which is which is the the crux of like I create my own world that like I give somebody a dirty look or I look at somebody like like a great a great example of like how people create their own world in this instance is that like if you go to a mechanic and you treat them like they're going to screw you like like don't you do it wrong don't you don't you just like not change my oil and then tell me you changed my oil if I introduced myself and like had a first interaction with a mechanic like that you know what they would do not change my oil and charge me for changing their oil like I would get exactly <laughs> the world that I had created that I had expected to find the idea of microaggressions as a problem at best at best a microaggression is a micro problem like it is you're saying that things that aren't important are mattering a lot to me a, like i mean you look, got you got there's, i want i want i don't want to cheapen the, the way somebody feels because i mean like okay i don't want to go somewhere where i'm uncomfortable but you know what that's sure, my responsibility that's my responsibility like i can't imp I, just because, right? 
They're just not because, good people. Yes. And, and, or they're assholes to me. Their friends might love them and not think they're assholes, but whatever world I want, they're assholes to me. So I can't expect that wherever I go, everybody should conform to what makes me feel better. Right. You know, like that's right. very selfish. That, like I'm comfortable with or say that they – it's my responsibility if I don't feel comfortable around a certain person. Now, that's where the difference between like an actual, you know, violent crime, somebody that's imposing themselves on you, a lot more than a microaggression, somebody that's using violence to take or steal or whatever from you. That's that's where there's that's where it matters. But when it's just a way that you feel, just do something else. Go somewhere else. Don't try to force everybody to do whatever the hell makes you feel better because some people have are some never gonna feel better. Have some respect for yourself. Like the amount of dependency that is being glorified that like, I can't be okay with my gender unless every single person on earth like justifies it <laughs> or like backs it up. That's not being me being okay with my gender. That's the exact opposite. It's me That's wanting me other being people to so unbelievable to force you how to feel on someone else's opinion of me that I would commit suicide. Like, you help that person. That would be like me saying, that, that I is, am offended by other people thinking that they are a woman. Why shouldn't they all conform to how I feel? Because that's stupid. Flip that coin over. See exactly. Same thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, I don't. And, and the people who, by the way, are totally against anybody identifying as being a woman, like they can be against it with their own lights, with their own family, whatever people that they are around. But I feel the same way about like, okay, if this person wants to pretend they're a woman, like, and if I don't like that, it makes me uncomfortable. I just won't go where they go. Like, we won't talk to each other. If it's something I like, enjoy your own little life over there, and I'll enjoy yeah, my little life over Freedom of here. association. <laughs> like, like, accept and, and know who you are as a person, and quit thinking that you have to have everybody else tell you what it is. And that it doesn't exist unless, like, if you're actually confident in who you are, you don't give a shit about somebody else's opinion. When somebody calls me a, a dumbass on Twitter... Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know who this person is. Like, I don't like, I'm sure some, I'm sure there are uh, millions. There's only millions of BSVers there. I'm sure there are dozens, dozens of BSVers out there who think I'm a total moron and that everything I say is utter bullshit. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't right. bother me at all. You don't know why? Cause I know I'm not, I'm not stupid. And I, <laughs> I, I make sure I read a lot to make sure that that's not the case. Um, like always be checking yourself. That's the, that's, I yeah. think what separates, and that's a big part of Bitcoin culture that like when I'm talking to new people and they want to ask me like very critical questions, like, I'm sorry to ask this, but it's like, please don't be sorry. That's the point. Like that's the ask point. me those yeah. questions, ask me those questions that you think might offend me. Those are like the important questions. Yeah. You know, that's what I want you to ask me the most. The most important truths are always the hard ones because they're the ones that we're ignoring. Mm -hmm. necessarily it's like you know telling someone they're alcoholic is when they're an alcoholic <laughs> is not nice they're going to feel like they're being bullied they're going to be horribly offended they're going to feel attacked that doesn't make it not true and in fact if they don't admit that they're an alcoholic it's necessarily the most important thing that they should address the most important truth is always the hardest truth is never the the truth will set you free, but it's going to piss you off first. Like, if you're saying that I can't say anything to piss people off, you're saying that we're just going to drive ourselves into the side of the plane. Like, we're going to drive our plane to the side of the mountain because I'm not allowed to tell people that we're what they're falling. 
that, you know, we're all going to die and we're going to crash and everything's going to go up in mm -hmm. flames uh, and nobody's going to have our funeral because we're all in the same fucking plane. Like, that is what you're saying, is that is that we should never have uncomfortable truths, which means that we are all just going to keep doing, we're going to cycle cycle through the how do I twist this to make it feel good until we all die, literally. And what happens eventually in society as a whole is that things get so bad and so messy, which is where I think we are now, is that we're, we've come to a point of no return where the degree of uncomfort in reality trumps the degree of uncomfort about telling people that you're full of shit, about Absolutely. rocking the boat. It's easy when things are easy to just let things go by uh, to make sure that you're not, rock you're not the one rocking the boat, that you're not the one standing out in the crowd and making everybody uncomfortable. That's not fun. I know. That's not, it's not fun. And, and even from BSVers, it's not fun to be called stupid. It's not fun to be called a dumbass, but you get over it. You get over it because you actually know who you are and you, you actually care about being intelligent or learning and making sure that you aren't just spouting off nonsense, which I do. I do all the time. It's not like I'm invulnerable to something like that. I just actually care and have a little bit of conviction about what I believe in and what I study day in and day out. So I come to the conclusion, wrap this all back. We kind of went on a really cultural tangent here. Wrap this all yeah, around, all this back around to Bitcoin maximalism. The toxicity has nothing to do with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's about ethical, sound, fair money. That's it. That's it. And the fact that it must survive the state as a challenger. Um, and I actually brought up the BTC Sessions thing. Is, is These are the points. These are the points that lead me to Bitcoin maximalism. It embodies the principles of sound money. It is borderless and censorship resistant. It exhibits sufficient decentralization. It has no discernible figurehead or leader. It is incredibly difficult to change in a non-backwards compatible way. And it preserves the ability of any individual to validate and follow the entire set of consensus rules. That is Bitcoin maximalism. That's it. Awesome. And, and if you apply all of that, that set of principles to the entire crypto landscape, ignore the Bitcoin is going to solve marriages, ignore the stock to flow, the, tw the Twitter social bullshit, and the fact that somebody was mean to you on the internet. I'm so sorry for you. If you apply that to all of crypto and, and just eliminate, 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 you end up with Bitcoin. In my right. opinion, I mean, you end up with that's, Bitcoin, that's, and that's you it. You know, when somebody tells me like, Oh, you just don't, you just only care about Bitcoin. That's why you won't like, like my coin or whatever. What I tell them is, <laughs> listen. <laughs> you won't like my coin. Listen, man, if Bitcoin didn't even exist, I would probably still be talking shit about all of these scams because they are like just ridiculously bad. They, they, they're scamming people for billions of dollars. Like I think Ethereum's the biggest scam that we've ever seen. And it will, especially in my lifetime. Uh, it's the fact that we have all these VCs uh, putting money into these things that are so clearly uh, unsustainable. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. But so, I mean, it's not so Bitcoin, absolutely, because it does exist and because it, thank God we have it. But if we didn't, that doesn't mean I'd be like, well, uh, let me look at this other thing. Maybe this will be good. Like, no, those things are the fundamental properties of, of an Ethereum or, uh, 
whatever other thing is a helium token. Horrible. <laughs> that would never interest me. <laughs> Ever. Uh, uh, as a as a as a as a old cypherpunk or or any other kind of freedom maximalist that doesn't want to be under the government's boot, none of those things are interesting to me. Yeah. In fact, not only they're not are they not interesting, many of them are transparently scams. Um, you know, and and somebody I don't remember I don't remember who said it. Might have been Giacomo or ah uh, I don't know I don't know. But um, I'm sorry, whoever. I should credit I should credit whoever this was because it stuck with me and it was a good it was a good tweet. But basically that um no one who listened to the Bitcoin maximalists got rug pulled by the thousands of scams, by the thousands of like fundamental flaws and broken systems and the Lunas and the Celsiuses, like the they just didn't. They just didn't. And in fact, just the opposite. People who did listen to them, who listened to Corey, who listened to everybody who retweeted, who challenged these ideas. As everybody talks about like Bitcoin maximalists. Like it, we all agree on stuff. And all I see is Bitcoin maximalists bitching and arguing at each other day in and day out. Like some of the most contrarian people that I follow who are constantly arguing with Bitcoiners are Bitcoin maximalists, the Shinobis, mm -hmm. the John Carvalho's, the Corey's, like those people, like I highly value them. And Udi was one of those for a long mm -hmm. time. I held him in high regard because he loved pushing people's buttons, which I think matters because you have to challenge them on the way they think about things. And I'll admit there, there's even like a hint of value in the fact that Udi's gone kind of web three shit coinery saying that like oh the wallet is great even though i'm not shilling the token eh, okay but at least it's caused a conversation about it it's caused people to yeah. kind of like isolate their arguments about it i mean um, in a way you could i mean that's a, like a life silver lining i don't think i think that's a silver lining it's a silver I think it lining. feels i think it I feels think that negative but but it, but at least yeah. i think it's still in that negative but at least he may accidentally create this culture of um, yeah, Ethereum is going to go to clean zero, up the but... edges, clean up the edges of Bitcoin maximalism, you know, like, like, like coheat, make the, make the argument and the stance more cohesive. Um, because but, there are well, plenty just, of dumbasses on Twitter who call themselves Bitcoin maximalists. But he's don't, not, he's not to do with it. at all making that argument. I mean, right now he's well, I, saying that, that's true. he's saying that's that true. he's saying that Bitcoin maximalism is, at least I, I think that is what I see him saying is that Bitcoin, Bitcoin maximum is essentially dead. It's only proponents. The only people yeah, who okay. are Bitcoin only now. <laughs> <I die. laughs> the only people who are Bitcoin only now are like these losers with no followers that are just like a bunch of religious retards. Like that's the that's the Does meme he just right think now. That everybody everybody who's a Bitcoin maximalist is Dieter Bob. <laughs> yes, yes, actually. Or or he thinks like yeah, like uh, like he thinks that like all the cool people are obviously shitcoiners. The Kobe's with the millions of followers, like. Everybody's a shit corner. Anybody, anybody takes seriously. Look at Nick Carter's like, I don't need any of you maxis for my fund. That's right. You don't like, there's plenty of people for you to scam. You're not going to get to scam the Bitcoiners. Um, so, you know, and that was such a telling thing. Like there's yeah. this group of people that are focused on principled, on principles. Um, and <clears throat> who aren't here just to get rich quick orders, rip off retail. And these many of these same people are the reasons why a lot of these uh, everybody always used to know. And that's one of the things that I think maybe is the most damaging about what they're doing to the extent that 
other intelligent people really care. And it's debatable maybe how much of an impact it makes on that. But it, but it very well could. Um, they, along with all the other things they're saying, it's like the real experts understand that it's not about Bitcoin. And it used to be well known that all of the real experts are the guys who uh, are responsible for doing some of the key things in Bitcoin. Bitcoin's always had the most rigorous cryptographers, the most, uh, the most uncompromising in the way that the, the real cypherpunks that are building things, they may be incredibly simple because they are incredibly strong. And yeah. that's always been something that everybody knew. And if you, if you knew enough to know, you knew that uh, the uh, real Bitcoiners, some of the oldest developers, uh, people that have been doing this for a long time, these are the smartest guys in the room. They're kind of shifting that perception and saying, no, no, don't ask a big, nobody asks a Bitcoiner if they want to know something. Like, oh. that's what they're, that's, that well, may be the most damaging part of what they're doing to the common perception. Yeah. Is trying to unseat uh, those who have been the most rigorous, who haven't focused on trying to make money, who haven't taken VC funding, who've just been passionately obsessed with, in many cases, doing for free this great work, critical work, and taking that and saying, ah, you know who's actually the one you should talk to is this guy over here that's getting paid $600,000 a year to tell the Ethereum Foundation what they need to hear because he works, you know, for them. Like, ask that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. the those are the important people. Like, honestly, honestly, I've always found um, good engineers build shit user experience. Like, like yes. user interface. Almost yeah, Joff, I love you. Yeah, Joff, great example. Guy is absolutely brilliant, but everything at the user level has too many steps. It's like it's like he needs a he needs a, an equally genius front end developer mm -hmm. who just cleans it up and removes three out of four steps, and everything he builds is just it just he builds things like nobody else. He builds things that would take an entire VC funded team of like seven yeah, people. Yeah, going to listen to this. You'd be so pissed at us. It's a two year. He, you know, he builds things that takes an entire I'm trying team. Trying to pump them up a little build. bit at the same time. Um, and, and, and like, and yeah, it won't be like, it's not, it can't, you can't expect it to be like, also, it looks like a whole team of seven people made the interface. Like, yeah. because it was just one guy that made the entire fucking thing in many yeah. cases. Um, but yeah. But really, the thing is, is that like, is it, is it secure? Is it secure? Like, I, again, like, okay, get advice from MetaMask about how to build your browser extension. Browser extensions aren't the crux of the problem. We like, had a great one in Bitcoin, just like MetaMask already. It doesn't, the reason why it doesn't have more users isn't because of the UX. Uh, the reason why it doesn't get more users is because you can't, like, there's not all this gambling casino. Like, nobody downloads MetaMask unless they want to play in the gambling casino. Yeah. And there's a fuck ton of people that want to gamble. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have more users for like the, hey, click here for free money than you are for the like, hey, click here for long-term awesome saving asset or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like uh, it's just a yeah, I think it was uh, Udi that said, I think he was talking about like, you know, NFTs are like a multi-billion dollar, like a, like a billion dollar or more industry uh, or something trend? like that. Not and, like, just call it a trend. <laughs> and Bitcoiners don't have it. And that, like, that's like this huge net negative. And I'm like, Nah. Yeah. The reason Bitcoiners to... don't have it is because Bitcoiners don't care. Like, yeah, they I'm had not it and they let to... it go. Again, 
again, are you building infrastructure that can survive the state? Are you building, like, if NFTs are the old, I just don't think NFTs are the deciding factor in anything. Anything. And I'm not going to dilute my support of Bitcoin to buy a JPEG that I can right-click to have to have the same bored ape profile image of a million other people, but it just has a different hat and some sunglasses. Like, I'm sorry, but what the fuck? Like, like you're investing in this. Your investment matters. Where you direct your productive output supports a type of an economy, a set of principles, and a, a type of monetary instrument. You are going to say that it's more important to get your, your board ape token than, than it is to, to put a floor on Bitcoin and actually build out an infrastructure, run a node, do a little bit of home mining, make this thing slightly more resilient so that it has a better chance at the mission of separating money and state? I don't think so. I just don't think so. I don't give a shit about your NFTs. I just don't. And yeah, I mean, if it's a multi-billion dollar market, I think it's probably a short-lived multi-billion dollar market. Absolutely. I don't think anybody's going to be paying, just like the guy who paid $25 million for the NFT of Jack's, uh, Jack's first tweet, he lost about $25 million in that trade. <laughs> and I think that's what most people who hold NFTs will end up with. Now, maybe there's a maybe there's a market for baseball cards and collector's items and, you know, signed posters as opposed to an unsigned poster. I don't really care. I don't really care. And there's nothing special about Ethereum that makes NFTs possible. NFT started on Bitcoin. Everybody like PayPays were the first like and just it's just that nobody cares because I think we actually have a goal. We actually have something at the end of this that we matter about solving. Um, at least that's my position. That's that's why I'm doing it. I guess I can't speak for everybody else, but okay. I mean, some you're gonna you're gonna you're money. gonna dump everybody else's opinion on me anyway. You're gonna say that I believe Bitcoin solves marriages, like, and <laughs> and that I'm supposed to defend this shit. Like, God bless. I just read this. Like, it was a uh, was it Ragnarly? Ragnarly like posted like this whole list of just just bullshit, just nonsense. And then it's like, if you don't. If you don't explain why this is it, then you you don't even know anything about Bitcoin maximalism. It's like, would you just like find the dumbest li the list of the dumbest tweets that you could possibly find that had Bitcoin tagged in them? There's a million of them. There's millions and millions of them. Like Jesus Christ! Like, ah, oh, man, it's a group of people, dude. It's a group of people. Wake up, wake up. Things matter. Things matter, and we're doing something that's going to be really, really hard. And if you don't have die hard infrastructure, if you don't have infrastructure where half of it can get cut off for six months and it still works seamlessly, it works as if it doesn't know that that shift has changed. It's just not going to survive anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe we get your soft future. You know, maybe, maybe we get your easy route through all of this and it just gets uh, adopted by Wall Street uh, and VCs and everything's hunky dory. Great, great. That would be wonderful. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. I'm not even going to, you can throw it in my face. Udi, uh, Sassel, whatever, like rub it in my face so hard. I will get drunk with you and you can rub it in my face and I'll be ecstatic that we separated money from state. I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. And I don't think your shit's going to survive. That's why I don't invest in it. I don't think it's going to help. That, uh, you're not going to convince me by calling me dumb on Twitter 
or saying that like I believe all of this stuff or pointing out that somebody else who said there's a Bitcoin maximalist was mean to you. That's not going to change my mind. It's not. I've tested it a lot and I still come to the same conclusion. Bitcoin maximalism isn't going anywhere in my opinion. So. Absolutely. And it's just growing. Like that's, that's, the, that's the craziest part. As long as they're not going anywhere. I think one of the most important things that we might have brought up about the trajectory is the meetup. Started out bear market. You'd be looking to have three or four Shit, people there. Like 10 years strong. And now <laughs> there's 30 people sometimes in that room. And many of them are new. And all of them are Bitcoin only. And they're not there for the price. These And this is, I can't imagine that we live in some, like, that we just have some anomaly here in this one city. It's everywhere. And I see it on Telegram. And I see it even on Twitter. Uh, you're not going to see it with the, with the, the, you know, it's not everywhere on Twitter. There's all kinds on Twitter, but I, I'm seeing it in everything. This, this trend of being, of realizing what Bitcoin is and valuing that. And as a consequence, uh, not really caring about anything else, as far as investment goes, as far as uh, money goes, um, that's growing and it's going to continue to grow. I mean, fiat was already the biggest coin dollar. U S dollar was already the biggest coin. Um, Centralization reason, is always is always better. Like it's always why, got the better user experience. The question is, does it do anything that matters? Right. The reason why Bitcoin is growing is because it's better, not because it's the most popular, not because not even the network effect. I mean, that is amazing, and it's the network effect is going to grow. But the dollar has a bigger network effect, and the dollar is losing ground to Bitcoin because Bitcoin. Am is I just not supposed to call happened. it a shitcoin because it's bigger and does way more <laughs> volume and is super duper liquid? Nah, it's still a shit coin. Yep. Even if somehow, because of this money printing, in this money printing world, anything can happen. And even if somehow money printing brought Ethereum to a more, bigger, quote unquote, mark cap than Bitcoin, the whole metric thing is stupid anyway. It wouldn't make Ethereum better in any way. It would be. Ethereum would have all the, the same problems that I still have. I still have with it. You wouldn't say, oh, well, there's a new biggest, therefore that's the one I should use. It's not about that. It's about the actual what it is. What is this thing? I don't want to use dollars. They're the biggest. They're the most accepted. There's the most apps for dollars. They're the easiest to use. So why don't I just use dollars? Because I'm not in control of that. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I actually hope Ethereum like fully, (laughs) fully centralizes. I thought you were going to say Uber flips. No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be fun. That would be way. funny. That would that would be that would be good for a little bit. You, you, you'd make to... more. You'd make more humble. You'd make more humble in Bitcoin. And <laughs> the, the only the only argument that I think uh, stands any sort of uh, has has a ground to stand on is that there is there is humble lost in Bitcoin, and we need we need to do more. Stay humble in stack sats. But um, I actually hope Ethereum. Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of the only way it survives, um, but I hope it like fully, fully centralizes because that's the only way that it doesn't just turn into, they kind of at least are, in my right? opinion. I mean, I, I th- there's that... the argument. There's the argument there. But um, I think it's the only way that people don't lose hundreds of billions of dollars. Even um, Vitalik, I mean, they're still going to lose the money because centralized systems suck. They're not going to lose it from a, maybe from a network hack because it's centralized, but they'll lose it from... JP well, Morgan the question, and the other VCs like continuing to milk them. It could it could take a long, stagnant, slow death. And I think that would be maybe maybe it wouldn't be the least painful. Um, but 
you know, there's always like, I think a centralized network that has quote unquote smart contracts. Um, maybe there's a business opportunity. Like maybe, maybe there is, um, like I think a non-custodial one would work better. Like when you're looking at like shadow chains, like that's exactly what, uh, uh, lightning pool does. They create a market that's non-custodial. I think Helium is completely, is completely agnostic to the code, but, but I worry, like, I just don't want to see as much as I disagree with them and like, I'm annoyed. I don't want to see everybody lose all that money. Um, but I think proof of stake is kind of going to be the death of Ethereum. Like, proof There's of stake Ethereum won't, won't be able to survive jack shit. Um, and I think there will be a very quick and very simple hostile takeover anytime there's even the slightest contesting of what Ethereum is supposed to do um, and which one is going to get, which, uh, you know, upgrade is going to be installed. Uh, and everybody's, I mean, already, because they've already like, made it so that what you have to have like $50,000 or some, something it's already been to be a staker. Just everybody's going to centralize the same thing. There's going to be like three nodes. That's well, it. I mean, there's a lot of uh, evidence to back up what you're saying. The the staking pools. Um, that's what I mean. The pools. That's 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 what so I was like, referring to. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons why those pools will centralize even more. I don't get into it because it's like a whole other thing. But like, um, long story short, though, the the I'm not worried about like the technical implosion, although that could happen. The thing that people need to be worried about with those centralized systems is that the people who control them are there to make money. And yeah. you are how they make money. And the moment that whatever they were doing before, because, uh, you know, making a bunch of shit coins and ripping off people that way doesn't work forever. But people are like, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop paying for these things that sound so good and then always fuck me. Like, people will just stop uh, eventually. <laughs> like, once you have, have saturated, that's how every Ponzi is. Once you saturate the people who would have otherwise been interested in your thing enough that they all learn that, like, they lose money when they do this thing, then eventually... They all know, and even the ones that don't try it, like get to know through them that, like, hey, like penny stocks, like, who, you know, penny stocks used to be a lot bigger, but now they're not because it's the knowledge is kind of saturated throughout society, and people are like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter like how fancy a penny stock you tell me is, I'm not interested because I know what's going to happen. It's gonna, if it even pumps at all, it'll dump, um, and it probably won't even pump at all. So like, so eventually they're going to run. They're going to that way is not going to work for making money anymore. What are they going to do? They're going to have to start eating themselves. That's that's every centralized thing. They're going yeah. to do anything they can to take more money from you somehow. How do they extract more dollars from you? Well, Proof of Stake's going to let them dump all those coins for free now. So there's going to be massive flowing zero-cost basis coins. They have a zero-cost basis on all these coins now. They can just dump for... As you long have as to they pay get, for coins, they get them for free. As that long sounds as... really familiar. I just, it <laughs> sounds like we've been here. And, and and so what actually happens economics 101 a bunch of guys are getting a bunch of these things for free and they want to sell them to you as much as possible well what's that thing worth yeah um it's pretty close to zero is what it's worth yeah and you know again if i if i had to sum up as easy like as simple as possible why i'm a bitcoin maximalist is because the only thing that i think matters right now Everything else is noise until we get over the hill. Is that are we separating money from state? And is what I am investing in going to help or hurt that or be completely irrelevant to it? I think the vast majority of crypto 
is completely irrelevant to it and or will hurt it. And particularly Ethereum. I don't think Ethereum is going to... I, I don't think it's not even like slightly designed in that way. I think like what, what I see is something that's run by Amazon that if the right person comes knocking on that door and says that you're going to install this and this is how you're going to run it and this is you know what you're going to censor, then uh, it's just going to do it. Yeah, um, I think within the next three years, we're going to see, especially on proof of stake, within the next three years, we're going to see an order come down from a government somewhere that causes the Ethereum network to censor an app on a network probably, level. Probably. Within three years, we have this is going on to the uh, Bitcoin Audible page as a... As a as a proof of this of this yeah. prediction, within three years, uh, there this will be a censored app by the government. Are we right? Are we wrong? Who knows? But if it did happen, there's. I mean, I, I kind of agree too. Um, I think we're. It'll be, mistake, it'll be so easy. Space. It'll be a phone call. Um, They're going to just let somebody uh, create some massively popular uh, money laundering tool or something. No, they're going to call up the node guys that have all the stake, and they're going to say, "Hey." If you run another one of those transactions, that smart contract, we're going to come and uh, get a judge to give us your private key, and we'll be the number one staker on fucking Ethereum. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that's why that's that's the whole reason. Like, say, come up with every other tweet or example in some Telegram chat or something that you think I'm supposed to defend as a Bitcoin maximalist. I didn't say it had nothing to do with me. Um. But the only reason I'm a Bitcoin maximalist is because I care about separation of money and state. I think monetary assurances are all that matter. Um, no, gold is not a number grow up scheme. It's about monetary assurances that nobody can contest. Um, and Bitcoin is the same. It's the digital equivalent of that. Is that how do you create a money that nobody can make for free and that nobody can change the rules of? And I think Bitcoin is the only one that even stands a chance. That's why I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. You want to prove me wrong? Fight that. Argue with that. Don't show me some dumbass on Twitter that you know said something mean to you and tell me that like I've done something bad or I believe something stupid. Got nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. I am still a Bitcoin maximalist, and I have. There's nothing you're going to do in that realm that's going to change my mind. Absolutely. This is a great talk. I'm glad you had me yeah. here for yeah, this. Uh, actually, I need to. I need to go. We need to take Rad. Go out and get some, get something to drink. Take a ride around. That's a good spot to to stop. Yeah, that's good. That's a good spot to, to stop it. We'll, we'll we'll this will come back. There's no way. There's no way this is done. <laughs> We're gonna have another couple of heroes getting killed in four or five months. We'll we see. need to do something big on Web Five. I need to get yeah. some Web Five people to come and because they're we cheap. need to get the we need to get the TBD people and synonym to come in and argue with each other. That would be cool. <laughs> I mean, like, because Web5 is really, um, they are, Web5 is going to kill Web3. I mean, Web3 is going to kill itself. Web5 is going to be the nail in the coffin because all those people that, the, the ones doesn't who, have a token. Whole Punch ain't got no token. Yeah, the ones Hurts who like are, a charm. <laughs> the ones who are, like, not trying to just chase scams, because some, some of the shit corners know, yeah, well, this is shit, but I'm going to make money. Like, those aren't the guys that I, those guys kill themselves, whatever. The guys that I, I'm more concerned about are the guys who maybe they're in their 40s and they're looking at these technologies and they're like, well, this looks like a new revolutionary way of building web applications and this could be really great and I need to, you know, better buy some of this token and invest in this new startup. It's like you are being, you're the one being scammed. Like the, the guy gambling, like, yeah, I know it's a scam, but fuck it. Some dumbass is going to buy it. Like, yeah, 
he's waiting for you to buy it. Yeah. Um, and like, and like, so that guy, he at the end of the day, you're being tricked by the appearance of low cost and simplicity through the subsidy of token printing, through the subsidy of money printing. It's the exact same reason it looks like it's easy and cheap and very, very good to go into massive amounts of debt in our current fiat economy is because it's being subsidized by money printing. It's the illusion of cheapness. It's the illusion of efficiency that What's doesn't actually exist. What's Rad doing now? Um, Rad is hanging out with mom in the other room. Uh, I want to see him. Oh, <laughs> that's like I got... I can't, okay. I can't go get him. I, I, I'll, I'll right. show it to you later. I can't, Take you can't a picture do it or something. I love, I love <laughs> oh, I'll send it. I'll, I'll, oh, wait. No, my camera is right here. My, my phone is right there. Um, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll shoot you some shit. I, I, I literally I like to record a video and take like 20 pictures like every single day. And I'm actually awesome. thinking about doing a, um, a little like make a little like fake newspaper like in Photoshop <laughs> and put like a p- couple pictures of Rad on it and then make the Rad for daily. And then like open up a, a telegram or like a, a messenger chat or something with like our families or whatever. Cause I just, I'm just blasting. I am the, I am the most iconic dad. Like, like ever. I just like, it's like, look at my kid. He's the cutest shit that's ever lived. Has he made an appearance on your show yet? I think like while he's a, a couple baby, of times, he needs, a couple of okay, times yeah. he's, he's cried a couple of times. I had a commercial. I had no, a story. Like, did he get to like with hold him. him up like a Lion King baby? And like, this is little guy. <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't done that one. I haven't done that on video. I just think that would be cool if I, if he, if he, you know, when he grows up one day, it'll be cool to see his baby self on your show. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. You might be even right. You might be like, right. I need to do that. Even if it's just like while you're in an interview with somebody, like he's in your arms, you just put him on the camera, like little baby. Like while also, you're here's, here's my cute baby. Because <laughs> yeah. like I would love that when I'm like 20 or even when I'm 15, like. Yeah, my dad's in this cool Bitcoin show since like forever. Bitcoin was only worth like 20 grand. And like, there's me on that show. That will be the day. You're looking back, it's only worth 20 grand. (laughs) All right, man. Go take care of your stuff. uh, Um, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later. I'll hit you up on Telegram in a couple hours. I'll let let you know when uh, this is uh, getting published. Awesome, man. And we'll make, we'll piss everybody off and get a bunch oh, yeah. of people, people talking you know about how we're dumbasses and we don't know, you know what we're what talking about. I already know. I welcome you. Sticks and stones, bitch. The Uni tweet is going to be like, oh, they're supposed to talk about maximalism. All they talk about is how much they hate women. <laughs> that's what it is. We're bigoted. We're bigoted Nazis. That's what, that's what it was. I, I predict, I predict that that is in our, in our near future. If this was big enough for like CNN attention, that's the only thing they'd take out of this show. That was one hundred percent. There'd be some comment that if you took out the middle of the sentence, I sound like an absolute <laughs> racist lunatic or something. Oh, it was, I, don't it was like, I don't care about that. And they're like, Jay. Ah, ah, ah. Just, he doesn't care about women being beat up. He doesn't men. care about people being bullied. It's the leading cause of suicide and blah. That's the Quintaxlos. He doesn't care about people. There you go. There you go. Uh-huh. I predict. I'll cut, we'll cut out this section and then just yeah. have that as like a Twitter video response every time, every time they do that. <laughs> yes, that's so cool. Oh, God, all yes. Right. Okay. Ah, all right. I will catch you later. All Thank right. you, Shitcoin Insider, for joining me for this later. wonderful episode. And that'll do it. A huge thank you to the Insider for joining me on this episode. I had a lot of fun 
Um, and we're actually on Bitcoin Audible. We're going to have a couple of reads about Bitcoin maximalism. We'll be diving into this topic a little bit more. Um, I think this is a great kind of pr fun, fun, lighthearted primer on the topic. Before we dig a little deeper and get more concrete with the idea of Bitcoin maximalism. Um, and uh, we will be, we will have another episode of Shitcoin Insider. Um, hopefully relatively soon. Uh, no guarantees. We get to this one when we get to this one. Uh, but we've got some fun stuff, some fun ideas to cover. Um, so don't forget to subscribe and you won't miss the next episode of Shitcoin Insider. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to CoinKite, to Swan Bitcoin, and to the Fold app for their amazing services and for sponsoring my work. I am Guy Swan. Joined by my co-host, the insider himself. And until next time, everybody, buy Bitcoin and stay clean. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.